Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Um, have I told you how much I love my job? I can tell you this is fantastic. I am now talking with Penelope Mesquita, and she is from TEDx J&J, and, and frequent listeners of the show know that we had Steve, who was the original licensee and kind of built that whole system there. But we now are talking to the person who's the making it all happen, and I've really been looking forward to this conversation. Welcome to the show, Penelope. Thank you so much for having me. So um, I think you just did an event. If if, if, it, if I'm remembering correctly, there is a TEDx J&J somewhere on the planet every week. Is that right? Or did I get that wrong? I think that maybe not every week. There's activities every week. For example, people could be watching. We don't have salons every week. I mean, our licensed salons are on the website, TED.com. But I would say maybe even every day, somebody what? at J&J is watching a TED Talk or a TEDx J&J Talk or incorporating it in a meeting or getting on their mobile phone, touching the platform that we have internally, constantly engaging in our community. And I would say definitely there's activity around our platform daily. How many, um, how many events have, or do you, do you actually get in and help run them or do you help oversee them or what's your role in all of the individual events? My role as TEDxJNJ curator is to really help with the overall strategy for the program to make sure there's infrastructure in place to champion several leadership initiatives, including an ambassador leadership program for HR. And my involvement really with the events, I would say, unless it's an event where I'm either a speaker or on a work stream or just helping kind of with the volunteers, really, it's to empower other leaders oh, to run the it. program. And, you know, there's one event later this year that I will be the licensee for because it's for the R&D organization I came from. And the location is 30 minutes from my home in Pennsylvania. So I will I will be the licensee for that one. But really, it's the credit goes to these local organizers all over the world that make these events happen. My job is to support them, make sure they have the infrastructure, the guidance, you know, strategies, uh, the, the correct budget, make sure they do quality videos, that kind of thing, to make sure that the quality of the program is something sustainable. Well, you guys, are, you're, you're known for that. I mean, you're legendary for that. And, and I don't know yet if, listener, if you are considering doing a TED inside your company, drop me a note 
mark at hackingtheredcircle.com because I'd, I'd love to talk to some other folks who are doing that. I know that you were the first to do that at J&J, but certainly not the only one. What was your uh, first taste of Ted? What was that first time you went, oh my God, who's this Ted guy and why am I watching him? So my first taste for Ted was actually when Steve was doing 12-12-12. I was in Singapore at the time. So 12-12-12, a lot of things were happening. It was a very prestigious date. I was in Singapore. My team was talking about something happening, you know, in the United States and all these other sites and things like that. We're, We're curious about what's happening and this movement around TEDxJNJ and Ted. And I... It piqued my curiosity, but I didn't really get that involved until a couple years later when someone left a candy bar on my desk with this link to this internal platform was before we even had the platform we had today. And it piqued my curiosity. And so I went and I found this community. I found this event that was coming and, you know, people were asking for volunteers and I just wanted to be a part of it. And I like chocolate. So whoever left that (laughs) was smart. And uh, I think it was Steve's idea, actually. But these candy bars were, were kind of selectively dropped off at people's desks in an attempt to spark their curiosity and kind of recruit instigators that might really be great volunteers to make things happen. So that was the launch of my uh, involvement with this community. And I never looked back. Oh, I, I, I guess not. I mean, it must be so much fun to um, kind of always be looking for interesting voices and interesting stories inside the company. You're, you know, how many hundred thousand employees? 127 to 128,000. Exactly. So that's, you know, that's a, that's a lot of people. That's a lot of ideas. Have you um, broken out of the J&J TEDx cycle to go look at other TEDx's to get ideas and, and learn from them? Yes. And I would like to encourage people outside the U.S. to do the same. I know that our colleagues in Shanghai have partnered locally And I personally have uh, joined a couple TEDx's in my community, and so has my predecessor, uh, Krista Height, who was the curator before me. And, of course, Steve is involved with TED and TEDx as well. Um, I am personally going to be going to support TEDx Fargo because I have never been to Fargo. I'm taking a friend with me from J&J to go visit TEDx Fargo. And uh, yes, I have never been to North Dakota, so I will be going to North Dakota in July. Oh, Greg, I know you're listening to the show. You got to love that, but you already know she was coming. So, you know, what's interesting uh, about that specific TEDx is he said, it's so hard to get people to even consider coming to Fargo. And so they go out of their way to make sure that the experience for the speakers and the attendees is world-class. And I, I said, okay, well, let me talk to one of your speakers then. And I did. I talked to Ted Dintersmith and it's actually the second highest performing show uh, I've got on uh, so far. I've got about 35 shows out there, but um, you know, it, hear it from the speaker's point of view of what it's like interacting within uh, this ecosystem. So TEDx Fargo and I, and that's just in July, isn't it? Isn't that coming up? 
It is coming up. I have my travel booked already, and I'm very excited to go. Well, you're going to love that. There's such great people there, and he's he is um, he has an open invitation to us on the show to come out there. So one one of these days we are going to make it. What is it? Do you think about? So you've been to external TEDx's, and you know that you know we try to really focus on a community or the community vibe, the city, the land, wherever we're at. What what is it? would you say that makes the, not only that you're internal, but that makes the J&J TEDx unique? We're a big company, right? And just like any corporation, people do have, as much as I always say, I am not my job description, people are not their job description, people have transferable skills, at the end of the day, we all have a job to do that has some requirements in order for us to do the job. Often, based on the nature of the work we do, some of our functions would never overlap unless, mm. you know, we created a space for that to happen. Mm. I think what makes us very unique as a corporate TEDx is we are silo-free. In the silo-free? What does that mean? We are, we are silo-free. Um as a community, we have the digital platform. People watch talks from all over the world in multiple languages, multiple TEDx's. People come together, share ideas. And you could have a sales rep talk to a safety scientist, a safety scientist talk to a VP from medical device. You could have an HR representative getting ideas from a finance person. Mm. Uh, people all across the globe not just function and sector, even across the globe, can come together and solve very complex challenges. And by creating this space for people to come together and not just do that, but experience the leadership journeys they can create, really anything is possible. And our work is so important. I think even any other corporation would agree. We have so many different challenges we face every day and we can't fix them Uh, by ourselves. And sometimes it takes an outside perspective, fresh set of eyes, completely different hat to kind of get us out of our box. So that is what I think makes TEDxJ&J unique. It is for everyone, for anyone. And it's an open invitation to join the safe place to share ideas and develop yourself. You know, I, I've been in the enterprise, um, community enterprise software since uh, 2003. We invented a, a network for Ted back in the day, right? For when Chris had first bought Ted. And I've been studying how communities of employees come together and, and how do you get them to collaborate? How do you get them to communicate? How do you get them to feel like they're a sense of community? I'm curious. Um, if you were in, and remember, no one listens to this show, so you can just tell me whatever you want. Okay. Um, you've got a TED community, which has all that goodness that you just said and brings people together. It's the dream of every corporate intranet to have something that's that compelling and sticky and wonderful that you go to. Do more people go to the TED platform internally? Or do they collaborate more on your intranet? Has that TED thing been kind of a surprise in the way that it's brought people together? 
That's a good question. I would say that more people are drawn to the TEDx J&J platform because we created it for J&J. It's part of creative engagement. So creative engagement is the department I'm in. We have several initiatives and a platform that supports these initiatives, one of which is TEDx J&J, where we house our talks on this platform. The people, there's, I guess there's different groups of people that would watch a talk, whether it's TEDx or TED. Um, you have the people that know what TED is, and then you have the people that don't know what TED is or TEDx. So you have people coming to the platform that are interested, and they didn't really know about TED, or maybe their family knows about TED Talks, or depending on uh, who it is, they may not have realized that TED is different from TEDx, mm -hmm. and we could even have mm -hmm. a TEDx, mm -hmm. or they get confused at times when they first come thinking, is this talks from TED? Oh, wait, these are our people. Wait, I recognize that person. Oh, that person gave a talk. <laughs> wait a minute. I didn't see the talk. I didn't even know this person is good at this stuff. So you have this kind of thing happening. And I think what happens a lot with the people that go regularly, which I do some analytics on the website and and the people that are like the top, uh, the, the most active, I would say, engaged, the top engaged, they know what TED is. They know what TEDx is. They tend to go to the TED site as well. And sometimes, you know, we share links to our favorite talks. Mm -hmm. Every time you fill out a TED license application form, you have to kind of say, hey, what are your favorite talks and things like that. So people that go to the platform, they do. they tend to go to both, I would say. But there's a lot more material specific to TEDx, uh, to J&J &J on the TEDx J&J slash creative engagement platform, because there's a lot of tools to help people, you know, grow their ideas, connect. There's right. these different platforms right. and programs. So they, you know, they can go and it's more personal for them because they're J&J &J employees and it's an internal site. But believe me, everybody I run into, they know what TED is. They listen to the podcast. They go on our site. I mean, they're equal opportunity TED people. And then there's people <laughs> that just kind of go to the TEDx page because they want all these other tools from creative engagement. And occasionally they'll see a, you know, TEDx J&J talk. But sometimes it's just managers like, what is this thing? Like, I don't know what it is. I know how it makes my people feel. Maybe I should check it out so I can even see their engagement scores. Like they're kind of like, they, they go on and they know what it is, but they are not regulars, but they're still medium engaged. So they kind of hover mm -hmm. and then some of them climb up. So it's interesting to watch over time what happens to these, um, you know, these these uh, members of the community. Are you familiar with the one nine ninety rule of online communities? I think I read about that in a yeah. white paper. Yep, one nine ninety. So the one percent super engaged, nine percent very engaged, ninety percent they're there, but they're they're lurkers. Um, yes. So you can. So you're what you just said is a perfect example of that. When when you look at your skill set and the things that you're good at and the things it takes to be a TEDx organizer, being a good collaborator, good at organizing, producing, marketing, curating, partnering, which one do you think you you feel like is your sweet spot, your superpower? 
So we had this question. We had a fun interactive exercise the other day with some ambassadors, huh? and I put this post-it on the board, and I said, "What is your superpower?" Ah. And I didn't care what they did at the company or what their title was. I just wanted to know their name and their superpower. Yeah, because they volunteered to support. An upcoming salon, and I wanted to know their name and their superpower. So when it was my turn, I of course they know who I am, but I said my name is Penelope, and I believe my superpower is the human amplifier. And I really, really think that that stems from my passion to develop people and grow them, regardless of what my role has been in this job or previous R&D roles, I've always been passionate about learning, helping others learn and develop. So whatever people already have, it's like a joy for me to bring their talent to the surface and just amplify that further and connect them with the right tools and people to make that happen. So I would say like the Green Lantern, I'm not the only one. (laughs) I want to make many, so I don't want to be like so special. I'm the only one. I can only do so much, and the power of X is only the people that stand behind it. So I would be nothing without this community that makes things happen every day. All these leaders that pick themselves. So I would say yes, human amplifier. I I love that. I it makes me recall that you said podcast a couple sentences ago. Do you have a TEDx JNJ podcast? We have uh, internal J&J podcast tools for different podcasts uh, that are they're not tied to uh, TEDx. They're tied to other initiatives. Oh, got it. Um, Yeah, we do have podcasts and podcast series inside the company. We do. I'm curious how how is that going over? Just as a podcaster, I'm I'm really interested in that. I think it's a I believe it's a very innovative way to reach out to a population that's not going to read or don't have the time to watch something, but they'll listen. Would you agree with that? I agree with that. Um, One thing that we use that's kind of like the platform for IT and it's, I think, other companies and it's out there is Yammer. We have a lot of other different platforms, but we we also have our digital platform, which we use for the TED Talks. Yammer is a little different. It's kind of like the J&J Twitter or whatever you want to call it. You can follow people, do things, post files. But the podcast that I've seen, it depends. Like there could be a podcast about a specific program where you have leaders come in and and talk about what the experience was. There's an interesting one that we feature on creative engagement by two Joes. So we call it the Joe and Joe podcast. It's kind of fun. <laughs> and uh, these guys just got together and like decided they want to do this podcast and they have different topics and uh, people really tune in and listen. And then if we have different themes for different months and leadership initiatives we might you know we might do something during hispanic heritage month or black history mm, month or mm. anything else that comes up women's leadership or like international women's day you know we have all these erg groups that do their own thing globally so they might do a podcast and then that recording is saved in an article or a blog or a newsletter and it circulates and very often the tedx j and j people will get a hold of it and put it mm, on our platform mm. so that even more people see it right. and you know, we, we are happy to feature that, um, but there is other, there's definitely other things at J&J that use podcasts besides do, us. Do I'm thinking now that there's so much, there's a lot of TED at J&J. 
Do you have a, a format or a specific look and feel like there's a, let's call it a style guide or does each um, location, each event kind of get to figure that out on their own? So something that, that I've worked hard to establish with the ambassadors and also my predecessor and Steve is uh, something that we refer to as the TEDxJ&J curriculum. So there's different trainings and modules, and this is ongoing as things change and get better. If we have other examples, we include them in. But it's sort of like a checklist for different things that you need to do if you're even dreaming of having a salon in your geography. So there's different steps that we um, guide our people. So let's say a geography X wants to do a TEDx for the first time, they would take the training. They can't just do it. Um, we would have organizers take the training, look at the curriculum, consult with their regional leads, uh, reach out to me if necessary, and make sure they have the support they need to have a successful event. Wow. I, that's a, a full infrastructure. Do you know in your because um, I know you're very connected into the TEDx community. Are there is there another internal TEDx? Do you think that's got has built out the infrastructure like you have? I'll be honest, I'm not sure. I have been connecting with my nonprofit TEDxers and the TEDx Hub, and I know TED has put out some very useful information they've gathered from a multitude of different TEDxes, and I actually haven't seen uh, – there's some content on there I found useful for our stuff, but I, I plan to kind of look at our curriculum and improve it a little bit, and it's just the first round this first year, and I want to see if there's anything maybe I can help provide or even – consult with like the other companies. I know P&G and L'Oreal are two other examples of uh, TEDx business uh, uh, business license right, right. that's out there. Right. And uh, I had the opportunity to meet a few of these colleagues at TEDfest this oh, year. Yep. So, you know, I'd be curious to see what they do, but I think um, we're still the only TEDx, corporate TEDx, that is doing this in multiple zip codes. Right. So we do have to stay true to TED, grassroots. I can't tell South Korea to do exactly the same thing that, you know, Asbury Park did. However, they still follow the same infrastructure. Right. They have the same checklist. They still need quality AV. They need to follow all the TED rules and everything else um, to have a successful event and make sure that, you know, we are um, doing what we're supposed to do globally so that we keep like, again, that sustainability and quality. What's been the biggest surprise for you managing this? Um, I would say the geographies that I did not know were even paying attention Oh. reach out to me out of the blue and say, I want to have a TEDx. And it both thrills me and scares me at the same time. Thrills me because I want it to grow. Scares me because I'm thinking, oh, do they have enough time, the infrastructure and everything else? But you know what? It, it works out because when they contact me, they have to do fill in the paperwork. Then they have a certain amount of time to have their event. We make sure they have what they need. And if they're truly passionate about it, it does happen. And we had three instances of that already this year. So I'm I'm really excited to say Columbia came out of nowhere. I don't know where they came from. They had some budget. <laughs> they like saw what the like Mexico team did and heard about Brazil and they were like, I want to do this too. And I'm oh, like, how nice. many of you are there again? So there's like three people 
and they made it happen and they got some volunteers and they had a half day event. It was, it was great. And I'm, I'm so proud of them that they did this and they came out from nowhere and now they're on the map. So well, kudos I, to them. I, w- I would encourage you to share this episode with them once we're done, because I'd love them to hear that. And I'm, I'm curious how, I mean, it, the company obviously is very, very much behind this. But when we take these three people in Columbia who any of us as organizers know it take, there's quite a bit to pulling off a TEDx. And I, I've got to imagine that for, you know, internally, it's still, you know, a lot. They've, you know, all the things you got to do, you got to market, I got to fill the seats, I got to the speakers, got to train the speakers, got to do my AV, I've got to do, I've got to feed them, I got to find budget, all that stuff is the same. How does, what's the process by which local management kind of clears the runway for them and just says, okay, I know you're going to do this. This is going to be great for our local office or our region. Thank you for stepping up and we're going to give you this amount of time. Or do they, are they expected to do their normal job and TEDx like the rest of us civilians have to do? So one thing that's true of all TEDx's is it's volunteer-based. I'm the only full headcount for 100% of my time. I'm in a special leadership program with the TEDx J&J curator role. It's an 18-month role for me in HR, and I'm in a unique position where I'm in this role 100% of the time. Every Everybody else, it's on a volunteer basis between zero, I say zero because some weeks it truly is zero, up to 20% depending on their leadership role. Everything is always kind of, it's not kind of, it is signed off by their management. Yeah. Um, we need lots of volunteers and sometimes we just need people that have a little time to do task-based things, but they enjoy doing it to make it happen. Right. And there are people that want to lead initiatives and that's not their day-to-day job, but they're good at it and they want to take the opportunity to do something different. So that's the beauty of this. It's the need, the business need and the management support to have these people do it, whether it's outside of business hours, which we do have happen, or if there's a couple of key meetings during business hours where management signs off on people to have key roles and responsibilities to make the salon happen, where my job is important is from a leadership and a strategy and an HR perspective is to make sure that the value of the salon in that region is understood by management. So something I am going to do as a follow-up with Columbia is actually a a presentation of more um, overall programming with creative engagement and HR resources for that team and their leadership to use locally. It was a small conference, less than 100 people was the first time for them, and that's usually how things start. So it wasn't a huge conference like the one we did in Asbury Park, for example, but it still was very impactful for Columbia, and it launched the initiative for them in their country. Even with the support of management, the infrastructure, the support of you, uh, an FTE that can help them uh, wherever they are in the world. And you're right. Uh, TEDx is this massive geography lesson for me. I tell you, um, I've not heard of m- most of the places I've talked to. That's, that's fantastic. I love that about it. Um, wh- what is the, what do you think the biggest challenge is for running your TEDx J&J? 
I think the biggest challenge is probably to be fair. We are still a corporation. People move around. Jobs change. Succession planning to keep it global. You need to have leaders in geographies. And when a leader leaves a geography, you know, you have to make sure you have a backup. I'm always looking for that next leader, that next person. And sometimes the stars don't always align. You don't Mm -hmm. always have the right people at the right time. So, well, we're creative engagement. If we can't create something, then who else can at J&J, right? So (laughs) if I can't have one whole person, I will look for two half people (laughs) or four quarter people and convince their management for a quarter of their time for many leadership opportunities so we could still get the best talent out there if I can't get a full-time one person because there's so many leaders, but maybe they don't have the time or their department doesn't have the budget. So you have to find the happy balance. I've got to say that having talked with you now for a half an hour and having met you um, at Ted Fest, you are a force of nature and someone to be reckoned with. So I'm thinking of a country manager. Uh, you're going to get them to succumb to your will. I'm pretty convinced of that. You don't, you've got a lot of uh, wins on your board. I'm sure. What, what, did, what's the, that piece of advice that you give to, that new that person who's thinking about doing a TEDx because we've got I'm starting to get a lot of listeners now who, you know, they're either on a team and their their organizer said, "Hey, go listen to this cool podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate that." But they're thinking maybe they want to take a leadership role, or uh, they've just heard about this and they love TED and and so they want to do a TEDx. What would you say was the kind of that one piece of advice for them? I would tell them, be creative, create a community that you want to stay in and be a part of. Then will you truly unleash the power of X? I I love that. So go, because they're typically i mean i'm i'm working with um an organizer in in ohio right now and they, you know they're going from zero to something right you know they don't have anything so what you just said is really important because i said to him hold it i mean you don't even have a mailing list right you don't they don't nothing so i like that create a community that you want to be a part of because you know you're building a sustainable brand you're building a presence over a long period of time i like mm-hmm. to say that you know, you should commit to three years, right? To, you know, because the first year you don't know what you're doing. The second year, you're a little bit better. And the third year, you're training your succession. You know, you're doing your succession planning because you're yes. you going to move on and you get to go back to your role of being an attendee. Um, what is it? Um, oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. One of the things I'm starting to ask in the show is people who've gone on from the red circle uh, into something. I mean, like the fact that they stepped into the red circle and did all that that means, which is a lot, that life was different afterwards, that there were new opportunities as a result of that talk. Do you have a story you could tell us um, of one of those, one of your talks that, that went on and life's different for that person now? There are so many to choose from. Oh my gosh, really? I I don't know which one to pick, but 
if I had to pick one, it would actually be from a woman who was our MC for the recent big event we just had. Her name is Melissa Sarday, and I will share this podcast link with her. She inspired me to completely step out of my comfort zone several years ago, about the same year I found the candy bar. And her talk, um, I know we cannot share outside J&J, but I'll tell you the gist of the talk was about radical authenticity mm. and about truly making human connections and thinking beyond the four walls if they don't work for you. Don't put yourself in a box. Find four walls that work for you if these four walls you're in don't. And just the talk itself and her her journey in her life and what she went through as a leader with her family, fighting cancer, everything, it was just eye-opening. Wow. And I don't leave minutes of my life on the table. I feel like every second counts and I don't have time to not be authentic. We all have to bring our true authentic selves to work to truly make a difference and creating a space for that to happen is what TEDx J&J means to me. And I hope that years from now, even if I'm not in this role, we still have a TEDx J&J. I love, well, you're definitely leaving your footprints all over the place and your fingerprints on it. I, I am, uh, our, our listener knows that I'm always listening for a, 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 a signature line or a quote, like if I was going to put it on a t-shirt and I pull that out onto the blog post just so there's, there was something and you've given me several, but I love that one. I don't have time to not be authentic. Um, I like that. That, that just says, says so much what um if you think about the next upcoming big event that you're personally involved with or maybe even as we look at the next half of this year what what are you looking forward to the most in your job i am really looking forward to the globalization of tedx jnj this year Three countries that have never had a salon have finally gotten the support to have one. And I'm so happy to, to be able to support them in person. South Korea, India, and Poland, kudos to everybody on the ground there. And I can't wait to see them, the volunteers and ambassadors in person. Um, really looking forward to that. So that makes me think about one of the one of the things I love about this community is that the community of organizers is phenomenally robust. We're very, I mean, you're very dialed in on the, the social part. You know, you're very communicative, but we all are, you know, and I'm curious, do you encourage your local organizers to step outside the corporate wall and make relationships with TEDx organizers in their region? I am starting to do that this year. We already do that in the United States to an extent, but I want that to grow. And I made several connections with TEDfest yeah. and I'm trying to connect people. And TED has been great 
to give a couple names and pass them to, you know, colleagues in Europe and and in Asia. And I met someone from South Korea already who I want to connect with my ambassadors. Um, Actually, after this call, I plan to reach out to the South Korean team. So, well, listen to the show. Uh, We've got a show on India. We have a show from uh, Warsaw. And uh, I don't have South Korea yet, but I know that it's interesting. I was, um, we did a, a little town in Italy, uh, Maurizio, uh, and from Cesena. And that's how you have to say it. You got to say Cesena like that, right? And uh, he was saying that all of the TEDx organizers in Italy all get together and they all support each other's show. So they all go in mass to the other events, which I just loved. And I, I just got invited to a Southern California workshop that's going to happen out of uh, TEDx San Diego. And that's for, for us who spend all of our time working on our event and, or in my case, podcasting in your case, you know, being, uh, this wonderful supportive resource for all of these people, us getting to spend time with other people who do what we do is fantastic. Right. Cause we, Absolutely. we're always trying to get better. I, I love the, the name of your department, creative engagement. I mean, just that says it all. Who, how many companies have a department called creative engagement? Not, not as many as should. Um, tell me, uh, you get to, I mean, you get to travel over the world if you wish, but if we take our red carpet and turn it into a magic carpet, where, which TEDx am I flying you to? Flying me to or one that I would want to have that didn't happen yet? Oh, there you go. I'll take the second. I once saw the show where a couple got married underwater. And I know Steve talked about the moon and on the International Space Station. And yes, I have friends at NASA and that's awesome. But I think doing a TED underwater might be really cool. Oh, I might be saying this because I was born in Dubai and this whole Atlantis thing and, you know, the man-made islands, blah, blah, blah. But I just really think having a TED underwater would be so cool. I love that. I'm a I'm a diver, and uh, I could imagine a TED underwater would be spectacular. The um, Cousteau Foundation is based here in Santa Barbara, and I'm our, our theme. One of our themes is uh, has to do with the ocean this year, and so I'm working feverishly to get someone from that organization to come talk. So maybe we'll have them. Uh, this is so not going to happen, but it'd be cool if they were offshore and they gave their talk broadcast in to the main theater that would be spectacular i will leave us with my my signature question the one i like the most which is the best hack like what is the you know that that thing you do that's like you know the macgyver the you know the it's not breaking the rules but it's a way to get something done within the confines but it's like it just requires utmost creativity what's that best hack we could share with the world uh, never underestimate the power of X. I love it. It's something that I said to my colleagues when I was on a different project prior to the curator role, and it sort of became the slogan I say to everyone, like, never underestimate what one person can do, but together anything is possible. So when I say never underestimate the power of X, I mean the TEDx community, maybe not even 
TEDx J and J, just TEDx in mm. general globally. Um, just never underestimate the power of X. It is. It truly is a community. And listener, if you're you, uh, if this is your first show you've listened to, uh, you know, step out and look at the TEDx Hub. Look at the uh, TEDx. Um, organizers, Facebook group, look at the other resources, places where we all hang out and go to the TEDx event page on TED.com and find a TED near you, a TEDx coming up. There's probably something within six weeks and maybe only a couple hour drive that you hadn't even thought of and go check that out and go see how other people do it, but mostly to go meet another uh, comrade and colleague uh, in the TEDx world. Penelope, thank you so much for spending this time with us. Uh, I appreciate it. I love your energy and your passion and, and enthusiasm for your job and everybody who gets to work with you, they must uh, say the same thing. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.